Hey friends, Rich Birch from the Unseminary Podcast. You know, one of the conversations I regularly have with church leaders is about finding the right people for their teams. I'm constantly asked this question, do you know any great youth, worship, executive, senior leaders, kids, pastors? That'd be a great fit for us. I get asked that question all the time. You probably have had similar questions as well. That's why I want to introduce you to my friends, Matt Steen and Todd Rhodes, the co-founders of Chemistry Staffing. Chemistry is focused on helping churches like yours find healthy, long-term fit for their ministry positions. They work with churches of all sizes to develop a deep understanding of your church's theology and culture, its unique personality, and to help you find the person, the person with these skills and ability to lead a healthy ministry for the next five or more years. If you're looking for your next ministry teammate, listen, Chemistry Staffing will help you find a long-term healthy fit. With all the craziness that's gone on in 2020, they know that many churches are beginning to ask some really tough questions about their current staff team and kind of its makeup and and really do they have the right people to lead into the new reality. So Chemistry Staffing has come up with this incredibly helpful tool that they're sharing with unseminary listeners like you. It's called Church Staffing's Restructuring Playbook. It will help your, your team develop clarity around where you need to be focusing your time, your resources, and your team. You can download it now for free. It's an incredible resource that you can get for free at chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary. And while you're there, book some free time. It's 30 minutes. You can get a free call with them to talk about your next staff hire. Again, that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary. You can also book a 30-minute free call with them at that same address. All right, friends, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have tuned in. You know, every week uh, on the podcast, we try to bring you leaders we think are going to challenge you and help you grow and really help you serve uh, your church and community. And today is no exception. I'm super excited to have David Pudman with us. Uh, David's a great leader. I'm super excited to expose you, expose you to him. David, welcome to the show. Hey, man. It's uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm glad you're here. Why don't you give us a bit of your story? Tell us a little bit about you know who is David and, and you know what you're currently up to these days. Yeah, be uh, be glad to. You know, Rich uh, started out as a uh, a church planter <laughs> that probably predates a lot of Love your it. listeners. <laughs> I, I planted my first church in uh, 1988, and uh, it. it was a bit of a transitional time. Uh, actually, wrote a little piece in uh, missiologist friend of mine, coach at the time book. His name was Charles Cheney. You may not recognize that name, but uh, on how to get off to a big start. So I tell that just to sort of set context, what we were doing back in 88, you know, so we were trying to figure out, you know, how to go from, you know, small struggling church plants that never grew beyond that to that really catered to, you know, people who are already believers to how do you reach people who are truly far from God, people who are lost. So started there, uh, spent most of my ministry uh, in church planting uh, uh, as a planter, executive pastor in a church plant, uh, worked with the North American Mission Board, uh, responsible for strategy for North America, church planting for a season, 
And uh, today I do a lot of consulting with churches. I'm a lead navigator with Oxano, if you're familiar with that organization. And then I'm the founder of Planting the Gospel. And uh, with Planting the Gospel, you know, what we're really trying to do is help catalyze churches uh, in the area of disciple-making movements. You know, the way we put it Mm -hmm. is we're trying to help churches transition from a weekend only to a disciple-making culture. And so Mm -hmm. here we are. COVID. And, um, you know, I feel like we're doing the right thing. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'm I'm excited to dig into this because I think this is one of those areas that I think every uh, church leader, if we're honest, uh, there may be a piece of us that we're like, man, I just don't know. Are we um, are we building disciples? And, I, you know, I think in this season, right, we've all experienced um there's been a bit of a drain from our churches and we're trying to, whether we're, no matter where we're at, if we're still just online or if we're start of in-person, we're trying to figure out where are people at and it really does connect to the, hey, are have, are we discipling them? Are they, are they growing? When you think about this whole area of discipleship, when you kind of give your, you interact with a lot of different churches, what would be your kind of overall kind of state of the church, and that's a huge question, but kind of our overall view of where is discipleship making um, at in the kind of church at, at, at the whole? And, you know, where what's your kind of sense on that whole issue uh, in the local church today? Well, I, yeah, that's a great question. And, and, and you know, I think that the challenge is that, that, one, I think we're all making disciples. But the question is, what kind of disciples are we making? You know, we're making um, disciples that are, uh, you know, are what I would call church organizational disciples, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been a part of that uh, where, you know, if somebody attends, someone serves in a volunteer role, role, gives a little bit of money, maybe occasionally once in a life goes on a mission trip, then we say we have a disciple. But I think there's something radically different when we really talk about making disciples, gospel-centered disciples, you know, followers of Jesus Christ. You know, so I think we've done a great job organizationally. And uh, this is why I often refer and already have today about our weekend only. And I'm overstating, of course, <laughs> we do more right, than just right. the weekend, yes. but our, our weekend mostly. You know, and I think what COVID mm-hmm. has sort of revealed to us is, hey, this is the world that we're living in, you know, that we've done a great job organizationally. But what happens? What happens right. when uh, all of a sudden we're stopped from a programming perspective in our tracks? You know, how about our disciples now? And Rich, you referred to it, but you know the large number of people who are missing in action. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yep. fact, uh, you know, somewhere around thirty percent of people who attend the uh, specific church or or not showing up online. You know, mm-hmm. it's yet to know. We're yet to know if they're going to come back or not. But uh, hey, we got uh, organizational disciples missing in action, and so. Um, you know, I think this is a question we've got to address. Hey, what really is a disciple? Yeah, I love that. I think that's a good distinction. I know I, I've been in these, again, this may be too um, honest of a thing to say, dear listeners, but, you know, I have been in those conversations where we've talked about, okay, what are the traits of a fully devoted follower of Christ or, you know, that kind of language. And it's amazing how um, those conversations can become really reductionistic pretty quickly where it just comes down to, well, can we get them attend on weekend? Can we get them in a small group, serve, in a, you know, serve uh, in kids ministry and give? And, I, and I've often said, is that really it? Like, are we at the end of the day? 
Um, is that all we're concerned about? I love that, you know, that idea of, well, are we discipling people for more than just kind of being an organizational disciple? What would be some of those distinct distinctives that you would say are beyond just like, are we getting them to be a part of who we are, are actually a bigger picture around, are they uh, fully plugged into what it means to follow Christ and ultimately yeah. see other people uh, take steps closer to him? Well, you know, I start, you know, with simply a definition of, you know, what is a disciple? And I, and, and it would flow from there. And and so one of the things I've, I've tried to do is, is put together a little ebook called One Hour Theology. And it's really important to me because it really is, um, you know, one of the things I, I, I've recognized, or at least I think, is that we've allowed religion to, to hijack uh, the gospel, you know, with complexity. And so we've got to bring it back down to simplicity. So I've tried to answer what I think are three fundamental questions to even addressing this whole issue of disciple making. And they are what mm. is the gospel? What is what what is a disciple and what is a church? You know, so mm. I would just fall back on this definition of, you know, what is a disciple? And, you know, to me, uh, you know, a disciple is a follower of Jesus who's learning to live out the realities and implications of the gospel by living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leaving what Jesus left behind, which, mm. you know, what did he leave behind? People who live like him and love like him. You know, so when I think about the character or the competencies uh, or attributes of a disciple, they live like Jesus. You know, they're following Jesus, they're living like Jesus, they're loving like Jesus, and they're making other disciples. You know, it's pretty simple. Now, in our work we do at Oxano, we ask a deeper question in some ways, and, and that is, hey, what does a disciple look like in our context? You know, if this mm -hmm. is where God is taking us, this is where God has placed us, then what does that disciple look and live and breathe like here in our context? And while it might be similar, we realize that there's uniqueness to disciples based on a lot of different issues. Hmm, interesting. So uh, that's great. I think it's really clear. Churches that you see, or maybe, you know, if we try to get practical for the folks that are listening in, churches that are um, disciple-making organizations that are seeing, you know, their people consistently uh, become that definition, what would be some of the traits of, of those churches? What are some of those things that we see consistently churches are doing um, to help uh, their people take, you know, those steps? Well, I, th I think... Um... You know, you know. Obviously, it starts with vision, and so um, you know, churches that are are you know, and it, and actually, it starts before that. I mean, it just really starts with their theological underpin, underpinning of what is church, you know. And so they have a they have a vision and an understanding of church that certainly is um, filled with this vision of disciple making. You know, mm. and so so, you know, at the highest level, that's where it began. But at the lowest level, I think what is really important is that um, they have practical tools for disciple making, you know, that mm. um, uh, they've knocked the fuzzies off of it. They've put some they have a good toolbox, you know, they have a simple toolbox, you know. So in some form or the other, it usually involves uh, the opportunity for life on life and uh, life in community, and then life on mission together. I think, you know, an important distinction for disciple-making churches is disciple-making is not something you do uh, just, you know, simply for yourself. 
but it's but it's uh, there's a movement aspect to it where mm. you know disciple making has integrated that life on mission component with life on life and life in community. And so if you take any one of these, you know, if you separate or remove any one of these, then you're not going to really have disciple making, you know, and the problem mm. is, or the challenge oftentimes in our, in our churches, I think, and in our lives, to be completely honest, is we tend to leave out the life on mission part of it so often. Hmm. And what, what does that life on mission, how is that working itself out? What, like, what does that um, practically look like in, you know, in churches that are thriving in this area? How, how are we, because again, I, I think there can be back to the kind of organizational discipleship, disciple idea, yeah. there can be a reductionist view of like, you know, w- when we talk about mission, ultimately it comes down to like, oh, what you mean is you're helping push our mission forward, <laughs> um, as opposed to, you know, are we, uh, you know, doing something a bit broader than that. Um, so w- w- what what does that look like? How, how can we be encouraging people to take those steps? Or what should we be doing to encourage people to take that kind of step? Yeah, well, you know, I think the challenge there is that, um, you know, the operational system we, we uh, work off of as a church is sort of antiquated. And um, mm. so we, we design church in a time when people, you know, they actually showed up and came, you know, even lost people. And so uh, I love what uh, a friend of mine, uh, Reggie McNeil, said one time years ago. I mean, this goes way back. This was like at the end of the 90s, you know, conversation. Uh, But we were talking about why the church wasn't growing, why new churches uh, weren't getting planted. And uh, he was asking me why. And his response was because we've reached everyone like us or everyone who wants to be like us. Mm. And, um, you know, even though that statement uh, was probably 12 years old, I, I just I can't escape. And I think it's more relevant today is that people are just, you know, not showing up uh, to our churches. Uh, we have reached everyone who is have a, you know, a predisposition towards a Christian worldview. And uh, and so our operational system that we operate on is simply is typically gather uh, in some kind of worship, uh, mm-hmm. connect in some kind of group, and then serve in some kind of volunteer role. But it's a closed system, you know. So I, I think if we're going to really make a difference and make disciples uh, uh, and do, go back to your original question, you know, life on mission is that we've got to, we need an update. We need an operational system update. We need to plug our church into our nightstand and let it download overnight. Uh, and, and, and really, you know, so when I think about that, I go back to Matthew 9, and I think churches that are doing a good job are equipping their people to enter the field. You know, so we have to teach them how to be um, missionaries where they live, work, and play. And uh, and so, you know, I think we're going back to <laughs> to a uh, uh, gosh, back to the book of Acts in the sense that, you know, we've got to plant the gospel. Uh, and then when we plant the gospel, we've got to make disciples. And then when we make disciples, we have to form new expressions of churches around those disciples. And then we have to reproduce it, you know. Mm. So to me, it's about equipping people to get back out into the communities right where they live, work and play, you know, how man, we can, you know, maximize our impact 
by releasing people instead of simply gathering people. Yeah, I think that's a great distinction. And, and um, understanding the fact that there has been a shift in culture, I think that one of the interesting things that we've seen in this season, this kind of intra-COVID season, when we're still, this is still impacting our churches pretty significantly is, you know, we've heard it in a, a million times that what COVID has done in a lot of ways as accelerated trends that were already happening there. And um, I think that is true in this area where, um, you know, there were people who were, they were showing up, but if you asked them why they were showing up to, to in your words, to, to our gathered experience, there probably wasn't a real clear picture on why that was, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't necessarily, it was about getting something from the church rather than, no, this is the place we gather. And then from here I'm sent out. I'm, you know, I am then sent, like you say, back into the mission field. And how, so, you know, I think on our end, we, it's an opportunity for us to retool. I think there's been a, a bit of a blessing in this season, like, oh, okay, well, we're going to have to rethink about what we do, uh, you know, beyond this. What would be some of those shifts that you think churches would need to take on, you know, to help people move from that kind of gathered experience idea, philosophical idea to a, to a um, really equipping people to, to go out, to be, um, you know, to see where they live, work and play as a, uh, a mission field, as an opportunity to go out. What are some of those things you think we need to, we need to shift and change? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I'm, when you started to, uh, you know, framing that question, uh, I thought of an illustration I recently, yeah, uh, a conversation I had recently with a with a pastor. He had reached out to me to talk about a resource that we'd put together for disciple making, and they'd gotten involved. And he was very enthusiastic about it, and it was you know great to see him uh, using the tool. And uh, it's uh, it's it's uh, you know just a basic disciple making. Uh, tool centered around reading scripture and uh, specifically reading the gospels. And he asked me a question and the question was, Oh, when we get through with reading gospels, what do we do next? Mm. And um, yeah, that's good. You know, so what do you mean? What do we do next? Yes. Well, when we finish reading gospels, what do we do next? Do we go to acts? Can we read the old Testament? Can we do this? Can we do that? And, um, but the problem was, is the question is all wrong. It's not what do we do next, it's who do we do next. Okay, good. And so uh, one of the questions that uh, I asked myself in this season of COVID, I just started doing this uh, probably back in March, was uh, who am I going to invite? Who, who is the next person that I'm going to invite into a discipling relationship? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. And that's so... And, and and so, and I call it uh, just simply, who's your one when I'm, you know, sort of teaching and trying to equip and encourage others, you know, and I'm having that conversation with my family almost at least weekly. Uh, hey, who's your next one? Who's your next one? So when you get through reading the Gospels, you know, who's your next one? Who are you going to take it through? Who, who are you mm-hmm. going to take through it? And then I think uh, the other aspect of it is, is recognizing uh, that, you know, and by the way, what we believe will determine how we behave. What right. we believe will determine what we do, you know. So uh, the other thing I think that we've got to help our people understand is that disciple making and is is evangelism. Right. 
like the greatest disservice we ever did to this uh to disciple making was take evangelism out of it and start using it as a term to indicate christian growth you know yep uh, it does contain Christian growth, you know, so w- whenever we talk about disciples, we talk about five different types of disciples, pre-disciples, new disciples, growing disciples, multiplying disciples, and catalytic disciples. And mm. so, you know, we, you know, part of what we're trying to do, and I think the local church can do, is that we've got to equip people to engage pre-disciples in disciple making, you know. right. And so it's as simply as, you know, it's as simply as, you know, giving them the, the resources, uh, you know, the awareness is one. But, hey, we need to equip people to be able to share their story and to share God's story with pre-disciples. And we've sort of gotten away from that. And so I, that's why I, say I think we got to go back to, you know, the book of Acts to the New Testament. This stuff is really basic. It hasn't changed and it still works. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a really good um, point to point to call out, which again, it, this feels like one of those dichotomies that we've been working against, false dichotomies that have been working against for years, this idea that evangelism and discipleship are two different things, that they're like these distinct um, actions, but you know, they are as opposed to being two sides of one coin, right? They're both connected to each other. You can't really be evangelizing, uh, without discipling, um, and then vice versa. You can't really be discipling, uh, without, without evangelism happening. They, they, they have to happen, uh, together. So similar kind of topic. I wonder, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. This is kind of related, but it's one kind of one step removed. There's obviously a huge trend within the local church around, uh, leadership development and kind of how are we helping people on their pathway to lead more. And although that is related to discipleship, it seems like a different function. Not everyone necessarily is going to be a leader in the church, but we do need to disciple everyone in the church. How do you see those two relating to each other? Or, um, you know, how, how, do, how does kind of the act of trying to raise up leaders that are used either within the church or that serve within the church or beyond um, and discipleship, how did those two connect with each other? What do you think on that front? Yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's a great question. Um, and and part of the the you know toolkit that I have is is you know I'm able to go in and work with churches to develop their leadership pipeline, and that's become a a real popular um, tool in in today's church. You know, but I do think they're different. You know, Rich, so I'm. I think the distinction is important. Now, I work closely with some of the leadership pipeline gurus, my good friend, Mac Lake, who is a great disciple and a great disciple maker. Uh, The way he frames it is he talks about uh, leadership pipeline being advanced discipleship. And Mm. and I do think that's a good distinction. But what I would say is everybody's not going to be a leader, but everybody needs to be a disciple. Mm. And so, um, whatever we do, we got to make sure we do have to distinguish the two. They are different, you know, so we've got to have something, uh, very basic, I think very organic, very reachable for everyone, uh, in relationship to disciple making. And then, yeah, if you're going to have an organized church, you need leaders and you need an intentional process of leadership 
to prepare them and move them up the pipeline. And that uh, particular uh, approach to leadership ought to include character. You know, so it ought to have an element of discipleship in it, but it is totally different. Uh, we uh, in our churches, we've um, I'm afraid that oftentimes we make an idol out of leadership. Mm. And so, um, you know, we got to be careful not to do that. We need leaders, but we need Christ centered leaders to lead his church to make disciples that make disciples, you know. Right. And so there is definitely a, a, a distinction. And, and I see them as as really uh, serving um, two different uh, needs and being and two different processes. Yeah, it is interesting. That's an interesting point you bring up around um, the fact that, you know, in, in some ways it's like we've, I wonder if there's a cart, you didn't say it this way, but the thing that got me thinking was, is there a cart and horse issue with the leadership development piece that we're, um, it gets back to the organizational discipleship point from earlier. Are we, do we jump too quickly to the leadership pipeline stuff without you know, kind of the first step or the undergirding of a solid discipleship process, um, because there can be a real potential danger of just developing leaders um, if that's not connected to discipleship. So I think that's an interesting idea of like, you know, leadership development is the 2.0 or the next step. It's the kind of piece of the puzzle, uh, which I think is, you know, I think that's a smart, it's a smart distinction for sure. Yeah, and I think our default oftentimes in the organized church, because we always need uh, more leaders, right? We always need the right leaders. We always need more leaders is um, to, you know, get the cart or uh, before the horse. You know, I think that's our natural tendency. I think that's something we're always going to fight, you know. So we've got to be really clear about, um, you know, what it means to be a disciple and, and you know, how, how we're going to make disciples, you know. Right. Yeah, it's very good. Well, you've uh, provided link to a, a resource called the Gospel Disciple Life, a quick start guide for a microgroup strategy, uh, for a microgroup strategy for making disciples that make disciples. Can you tell us about this resource? Um, give us a sense of, of um, how it could be used. What's, what's the, uh, you know, what's the outcome? Who are you, who are you thinking of when you put this together? This is a great resource. It, um, you know, looks like it's super helpful for sure. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, when, whenever we talk about, and I, and I spend most of my time every day talking to churches that want to make some kind of shift to more of a disciple making, uh, culture, disciple making church. And so, um, you know, I have some tools that we use through Oxano that uh, addresses the whole cultural issue, you know, so, but it's not enough just simply to address cultural issues within the church. In other words, how do you transition from a weekend only to a disciple making culture? Well, we've got tools for that. But what I found is you have to approach it from uh, both edges, you know, sort of from the c- cultural, but you've also got to introduce disciple making into the local church as quick as possible. And so this tool is a just really a simple tool. I call it a hammer, you know, and sometimes <laughs> when I'm doing a, a video, I'll have a hammer in my hand, you know, and I'm like wagging, shaking my hammer as I talk about this tool, uh, because that's really what it is to me. It's something, this gospel disciple life is something you can use immediately to start making disciples. And that sort of gets me fired up. Uh, the origin story, real simply, was I was on a call with a pastor. And here's what he said to me. He says, I'm 63. I have 60 people in my church. I've been running programs all my life. I want to make disciples and I don't know how. Can you help me? 
Mm. And, and I just, you know, this is at the beginning of COVID. And, and, I, and I thought, well, I can take them through our cultural shaping process. It'll take the next six to eight months and it'd be great. But that's not what he needs. You know, mm. he, he needs a simple tool. And so I, I simply said, hey, can I call you back in a week? Can we meet again on <laughs> in a week? You know, I said, let me work on this. I want to think through this. So literally I spent the week and I praying and working and, it, you know, it's stuff that I did anyway, but I had not connected all the dots, you know, mm. uh, for this particular tool. And, you know, I just I, I just, you know, I began with a, a, a really a goal. And the goal was, God, help me to create the simplest tool I can for disciple making. And so uh, Gospel Disciple Life is just my uh, response to or God's response, I think, to that prayer is a it's a simple tool built around two rhythms that every Christian uh, needs to have in their life for a lifetime. And it's uh, mm. a daily Bible reading and it's a weekly huddle with uh, two other disciples, which could be pre-disciples to catalytic disciples. And um and so I started, uh, once we created it, I started doing it myself with my own family to start with. And uh, and uh, then I began to talk about it a little bit. And I shared it, of course, with my pastor friend. And uh, to be honest with you, just I call it the accidental strategy. It took off, you know. And so now we got churches that are doing this. And I spent almost <laughs> most of my time talking about it, you know. And, helping yeah, cool. and now I'm the coach, you know. Yes. Uh, so it's been r- really a cool experience. Um, and like I said, it's just my goal, my attempt to get at a really simple tool. Yeah, it's great. Well, and I think in some ways, right, that's a part of our our job as as leaders is to clarify, to, to create uh, a really clear next step that is easy to understand, easy to comprehend. Uh, and has actual impact. And I think what you've done with this tool here is you've done exactly that. You've said, Hey, here is, here is your best next step on this front. And, you know, it's, it's one of, I would think the, uh, the kind of deception of it is it looks really simple, but when you, when you dig into it, you're like, wow, this, this would be amazing if we could get our people to do this. Um, what a great first step uh, or great next step really in their, uh, their relationship. Love it. Well, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it absolutely. And, and it, it is, you know, it was a response to COVID as well, you know, so what right. can we do now? Yeah. Of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. we're not meeting, you know, what can yeah. we do? We can make disciples, you know, so we started right. doing this virtually and, you know, just to share, a, you know, a testimony to it, you know, I started with my wife and my grown daughter, she's 30 something years old. You know, I remember having a conversation with her and saying, Hey, uh, would you be interested in reading through the gospels with me and meeting once a week on zoom? <laughs> and by the way, Zoom. So, so it became a a you know any time, any pace, any place kind of approach. And right. so we just we eliminated all the excuses, you know, right. and we limited it to two other people. Uh, and what we also discovered in that time is that the way you multiply, we talk about multiplication being so important, is you eliminate addition. So we eliminated addition and we all started having other people we wanted to invite in. And because we were committed to only the, the three, uh, that we start had to start other groups, you know. So now I'm, um, I was thinking about it, you know, hey, what am I doing? I'm pastoring a uh, a global disciple making movement right now. 
That's yes. what I'm doing. That's amazing. You know? And uh, we really are believing God for a million disciples. And uh, we've got them right now all over the world starting up. And when I say that, that means a few countries around the world, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's really neat. I, I think it is a resource. We have webinars and training and other things we can provide for you, but there's not a church out there or someone who just wants to implement this in their life that can't do it. You know, it's right. that simple. Yeah, absolutely. That's very good. Love it. This is fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation. Anything else you want to share or kind of talk about just as before we wrap up today's conversation? Well, you know, I I think we've covered it, Rich. You know, if there's anything I want to do is just encourage the listeners and I'm assuming they're ministry types, they're pastors, they're disciples, you know, and and I really, you know, what I tell everybody that God is sovereign. uh, God is on the throne. He says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And so I think this is an Acts 8 moment. You know, we we Mm, lived for the last, you know, century as if we're living in, you know, Acts 2, but actually Acts 2 started uh, in about 30 AD and it ended in about 34 AD. So about four years, the the church met in this large gathering and then it was scattered. It went house to house and it went totally to the ends of the earth, Acts 1-8, right? And so I just think, you know, this is our chance. This is our moment, Mm. you know, Mm, and that God is up to big things, but the engine it's not going to be our gathering. Uh, it's going to be our disciple-making engine. You know, and people ask me all the time, I'll end with this, hey, what does the future church look like? And, you know, I always tell them, hey, it's going to look a lot like um, uh, the current church, but it's going to act radically different. You know, so I don't think you're going to lose your church, but I think you will if we don't act differently. And so oh, that's good. Yeah, so this is our opportunity. So, uh, hey, I just encourage you to... to um, you know, really listen to what where, where God is taking us and see this at, as uh, our moment that he's uh, doing something unique. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love that. You know, we're, I tend to be future positive and I even though there's been, you know, this is, it can be a tough season, I think for a lot of churches. I, I do think, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're people of the resurrection. We, we, our orientation is like, wow, like God by definition takes not so great situations, crappy situations and makes them great. And, you know, I think that can happen in our churches. I think, you know, rather than us getting down, we need to ask the question, okay, God, what is it you want to do in this season? How is it you want to use this, uh, you know, this time to see our churches take steps forward? I really appreciate you being on today. This has been such a great conversation. Uh, David, if we want to send people to get connected with you, how, where do we want to send them online? Where do we want to make sure they uh, you know, stay connected and, and following along in these uh, these coming days? Yeah, the best way to connect is, is, is through plantingthegospel.com. And uh, uh, we do a monthly uh, webinar where we talk about these kind of things. And you can reach out to us through the website. And uh, we just... Love to have a conversation with you. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for being here. So honored that you took some time to be with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.